0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of The Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, and I'm not even going to beat around the bush today, man. We got a very special guest in the building alongside Nando Villa, as always, is my guy Jay Kang of The New York Times, formerly of The New Yorker, formerly of Grantland. You just elite media, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, for very short periods of time at each, but um, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love no, that.
1: No establishing inside the, you know, just short stays at each. But, um, yeah, thank you for that introduction.
0: Of course. Um, the, you've been in the belly of the beast, which I love. I think I feel like a lot of those experiences inform your work now, um, which we'll get into. But, you know, I think it was like two days ago, uh, the 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 decision by the Supreme Court a majority opinion written by uh alito <laughs> came out and basically they're going to overturn roe v wade um i don't really got much on this to be honest with you obviously it's horrible obviously it's bad uh this morning i saw a tweet from um what was it justice democrats i think it was somebody who was tweeting and it was like the only thing keeping <laughs> the only thing between the Republicans and your constitutional rights is the Democrats <laughs> and I and I had to respond I was like that's like the Golden State Warriors tweeting this morning that the only thing between John Morant and the basket is our backcourt after he dropped 50. Like <laughs> why are you reminding us that you guys are terrible at being the people that defend us from this shit. It, it's kind of crazy, Nando. I don't know what you got on this.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, not much. I mean, it's 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 horrifying. Um, it's one of those things that um, you you kind of read about the right wing's um, rabbit organization to dismantle Roe v. Wade, their ability to uh, cultivate a long list of very young, very ideologically rigid, and very, um, very kind of well-educated justices in an effort to, uh, in a long-term project to uh, dismantle something like this. And you're like, oh, wow, I know they're doing that. But you don't actually ever kind of conceive of the day they actually go and do it. And, um, and it came. And yeah, I mean, I think that anything that doesn't, um, any analysis that doesn't include kind of a... Um, Incredibly... They've been at this shit
0: for 30 years, y'all. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah.
2: but an incredibly da- incredibly damning view of what the Democratic Party, you know, because they knew that they were doing this shit and they did nothing. I mean, they did nothing to stop them. Like literally nothing. Like they can't name one thing they did to prevent this. Um whether it was um, you know, passing passing any legislation when they had when they've had majorities in all three chambers and 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 the, and, and the White House. They didn't they didn't do anything to uh, to prevent this kind of very well-organized machine from dismantling Roe v. Wade. Um, and the first thing I saw, you know, in, in the in the hours after the that, you know, dreaded leak of the SCOTUS decision was just
1: Democratic Party fundraising emails. And I was like, oh, is, my this, God. This, this, yeah, like, I got really those, disgusting. too. I got yeah. even text messages. And I was like, you guys got to be kidding me, you know? <laughs> yeah, because it was like there's all this stuff that was like, oh, well, wait you know, this is going to be good for us in November. I saw a lot of that. Now, I don't yeah. necessarily disagree with that, but I'm just like, for for what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yeah. So that you can have more of a like, I don't I don't know, like it seems. Um, yeah, it's. The way in which the right organizes and the. And the way that they can keep their eyes on the prize and the way that they can take small groups of people and bring them together for and get things like you know like you look at the career of amy coney barrett right and how how does she get in that position at such a young age and it's like she's been really sort of groomed for this by people who are outside of like the republican establishment by people who are sort of conservative act uh christian activists on the right they've been pushing for this type of thing through Local organizing, you can say, oh, it's all just like, you know, dark money or whatever. But, you know, like the reality is that the left also has money, right? Like there's money yeah. going to left causes, too. So you can't just blame it all on money. Um, I don't know. That's uh, every time something like this happens, I'm always just stunned at how much better the right is at organizing than the left and how they're yeah. willing to do 50 years of this type of thing to get <laughs> yeah. one result. And then when it happens, everyone, the laughs is like we should organize now i agree with yeah. that but I, guess, like, I don't know like you know, yeah i, I mean know. not as Eric good well they are Eric so compl-
2: complaining about student Sarandon. like that was that was their just that was their reaction you know it was like <laughs> yeah. yeah you we're know like getting mad at people
1: who it's voted like, for jill stein five yeah. years
0: ago you know yeah it's, it's just, about like, november duh right right and just like <laughs> that's our response <laughs> Vote. That's what Barry's gonna say. Watch. He's gonna be like, "Well, you know, the only thing to do is to vote." I know. Um, and and
2: and and honestly, like, it's just the the hypocrisy is just so breathtaking. I mean, I mean, the, I know that no one has like any memory anymore. Like, no one can remember what happened more than three weeks ago. But um, I remember the fact that, for example, uh, Hillary Clinton nominated a vice presidential nominee that was against abortion. Um, you know, Tim Kaine was, was against, was personally against abortion rights. Um, and I remember, um, as late as 2017, uh, Nancy Pelosi, maybe the most powerful Democrat in, in, in the country at the time saying that it wasn't fair to hold, uh, Democrats, uh, democratic elected officials to, um to an abortion kind of pledge, you know, that they, I mean, they, in you know, fairness, Daniel, party... she's
0: Catholic. Come on, she's Roman Catholic. Come on.
2: Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> uh right. so are you and I, Ros, uh, I know. You know, we're not like a Catholic like But uh um, uh, but yeah, I mean, so I mean again, I remember these things, and you know, to hear them kind of now uh browbeating the left, uh like the left, part, right. left flank of their party, uh the left wing of the Democratic whatever you want to call it, like the left, the left side of the political spectrum has been way more consistently uh, a consistent defender of abortion rights than than the liberals have. So it's just they have absolutely no leg to stand on um, when they they turn around and blame us.
1: They just punch left every time. And yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this. You know, it's something I was writing about. I think it'll be out tomorrow or something. But it's interesting how much more the right politicians also like believe in activism on their side and like believe yeah. in organizing. When's the last time you ever heard a Republican um, politician say something bad about like right-wing organizing or yeah, right-wing protest or their face, their base, right? They yeah. never say anything. The only response that Democrats have to like 20 million people being out in the streets two years ago is that like some people said defund the police. And that's why we don't have abortion rights anymore. You know, like the contempt <laughs> that they have for that type of organizing is palpable. And I don't look, I don't like, I'm not saying that the right is like great or whatever Obviously, that it's cool yeah. that they're like, you know, saying January 6 was cool, you know. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I wish that um when people and citizens try and get organized that the that the uh that the support from the elected officials was actually not just being trying to cherry pick little things and then punching them for it and blaming them for everything, you know, like, what? what, what type of response is that, you know? And and meanwhile, these people have been sitting around chipping away at, at reproductive rights for the past 50 years, of course they won, you know, because everybody in power supports them, you know, and, and we just don't have that on the left, it's sad.
0: Yeah, so a sad day, obviously, for uh, civil rights, um, you know, bodily autonomy in this country. For women, uh, it's horrible. I hope that the people in Mississippi and Louisiana...
2: (laughs) Did you guys see uh, Dave Portnoy say that
1: he was going to vote Democrat if they overturned Roe v. Wade? Uh... (laughs) Wait, wait, is he not? Uh, he's always voting Democrat, though. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. He like he like, love Trump. Uh, I don't believe <laughs> him. I don't believe him. <laughs> I was like, I, I spent some, I've spent some time with the man because I wrote a feature on Barstool. And I just don't believe it, you know. Like, that <laughs> dude is like a—he's like a Massachusetts Democrat down to the core. You oh know, my like, God, um, I
3: love
0: all
1: that. this stuff about. It's an act, I think. So, <laughs> if he, like, I want to see his voting reg. Like I want to see, like yeah. prove to me you voted for Trump, Dave.
0: Portnoy so, uh, exposed here on yeah. the vote goes. As squishy as, lip. As, 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 that's a gonna, lip. as a squishy lip. That's gonna be the freaking headline. Um, <laughs> I want to. Okay, so. Again, obviously, this is horrible. Um, there's way more shit coming down the pike as far as what the ramifications are. People who are way more qualified to predict how this shit will unfold than we are will, you know, we'll, but we'll stay on top of this as the weeks go on. But I'm really excited to have you on today, Jay, because, you know, when I DM'd you, I, I, first of all, I'm a fan of the newsletter. That's a one. Um, I just think it's completely different than... of the shit you read in the Times. Not that I don't read the rest of the Times. I'm just saying what you do is very distinct. Um, And, you know, I had just read the article where you talked about how the um, elites are monopolizing empathy, right? And the article was sort of in line with a lot of shit that I've seen you write recently. Um, The subject matter of your book um, is in line with that. Uh, And I just thought it was interesting because, you know, I I can just confess to this, right? Like as a New York City guy, um, just being, you know, growing up in all black West Indian neighborhoods, the first time I really interfaced with Asian counterparts of any kind um, was high school. And it never dawned on me that like the Asian kids who grew up in Little Neck, right, which is a really affluent part of Queens, um, are like materially different than the homies at the Chinese store, like straight up and down. Like it never dawned on me, even though, you know, the kid at the Chinese store was going to the public school in my neighborhood that my mom didn't think was good enough for me to go to. (laughs) You understand? Like I knew what school he went to. Like this guy was delivering food on a bike to the cribs in my neighborhood. Right. So i never really made that distinction ever, right? And I want to know when you started thinking, when it clicked for you, like, I need to start writing about these distinctions in a more pointed way in my work.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's a good question. I don't remember the first time, but um, I've always felt quite like a little bit of uneasiness and a little bit of separation from um, the sort of mainstream way in which race gets discussed. In the places that I've worked, which, as you mentioned, are mostly places that um, either have like New York in the title or whatever. Right. And so it's been like 12 years. Or Disney. You're
2: going to get the New York trifecta. You're going to get the New Yorker, the New York Times, and the, and the New York Mag. Yeah, I don't think I've
1: ever written any for New York Mag. but um, well, you got to do it now. Yeah, <laughs> you got to do it now. Um, but uh you know, like I started noticing early on, I was like, "Well, I don't understand what these people are talking about." You know, especially when it came to Asian American issues, right? Like, so much of it—it's uh, a little better now, but you know, let's say like eight years ago, ten years ago, so much of it was fixated on representation politics, right? Mm. And around talk about it. Um, why don't we have more people in more roles on TV and Hollywood? Like, uh, and that was all. You know, shortly after that, that was like when a lot of the Fur started over the Oscars and, you know, people were writing things about um, representation there. And it was was always so like, I didn't quite understand it because um, I personally had never thought about Hollywood representation that much. And the ways in which I thought about it were all selfish, you know, I'd be like, well, it'd be nice for me to be a TV writer so I could be rich, you know, (laughs) (laughs) literally the best life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be sweet. You know, but like, um, I don't know, it didn't really have that much to do with even my life as like a relatively comfortable person in media, you know, and it's certainly like, you know, like, I don't know, like my cousins, for example, grew up in Koreatown in L.A. It certainly had nothing to do with their lives. Mm. And, uh, you know, I I thought about quite a bit. Um, I kept noticing this one thing. I think this is when it clicked. It was just like. There's a period of time where like you would go on Facebook. So this is a while ago, you know, like you go on Facebook and somebody you'd see some thing with a lot of traction within the Asian American sphere. And it would always be like, oh, this person mistook me for a delivery guy in my lobby in New York City, you know, that's happened to yeah. me a lot, you know. like okay. <laughs> it happened it's not pleasant what happens because it's embarrassing for you but it's also embarrassing for the other person because it's invariably like some like white liberal person and they're just like yeah. they're like they feel horrified by it you know now people, i don't you know I don't. when I, I go to
0: zoomies people think i work there like it's, <laughs> it's just it's what it is <laughs> How often do you go
1: to Zoomies?
0: <laughs> Whenever I'm at the mall, I definitely stop in for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: I went to a Zoomies recently, like last week. That's um, and uh yeah, I don't think maybe I would have thought you were there. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Uh, but I was sitting there. Um and I was thinking about it, and I was like, all right, like all these people are living in these lobbies where, you know, they're clearly living in places. They're pretty affluent, right? Because if you're in Chinatown, right, or if you're in parts of Queens that you were talking about, and everyone in your building is Chinese, and you walk in, like they're not gonna think you. They might think you're the delivery guy, but it's not because they're racist. It's probably because right. you're like sharing deliveries or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it it really I, it just dawned on me that this type of thinking is basically confined to a very small number of. Asian Americans right Mm. who are basically second generation like me who are educated like me and who um you know have a lot of interaction with like a white world right Mm. um and that I just sort of asked myself I was just like well why are these people so mad about being mistaken for a delivery guy you know are they mad because they feel like this is some massive racial affront, which I don't think it necessarily is, right? Like it's a misunderstanding. It's unfortunate and it's it sucks and maybe it's a little racist, but it's not the person hitting you or anything like that, you know? And it's like, or like, are they mad because they're being mistaken for being poor, you know? <laughs> and I thought it's the latter. Like they're mad because they're like, and it's the same stuff that you saw like around the beginning of the pandemic when people would they. People made ads and they're like, Asian Americans are doctors and we're lawyers yeah. and we're like, you know, and just like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, it's like the dude, like, you know, Chan on the fucking, you know, on the e-bike who's bringing, it's like basically saying it's okay to beat that guy, you know, or like that guy who's like talking loud and slurping his noodles and screaming, you know, in his phone in Cantonese, you can beat up that guy. But I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Don't you dare mistake me for him, you know? Mm. And so there's like this, uh, that's sort of the moment where I started deciding to write about it a lot because um, I felt like I at least had a clear way to think about it, you know? Before, it's just like, you know, you kind of have resentments, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't like that person, you know? But, um, or like, this article is bullshit, right? But you don't have a clear way to think about it. And that sort of clarified it for me. And that's when I started writing about it
2: yeah no it's it's so much of our the the discourse around um around race in this country is so weird in that it um it flattens basically everyone who's not white into this kind of blob called poc that that everyone is exactly the same but also like we're we're all doctors you know and, and lawyers too but like we're also we all also think everyone thinks the same and we vote the right way and we have the good takes and, and don't have any of the bad, you know, racism stuff and um, or bad opinions. But like, I think you're starting to see, you're starting to see that how divorced that is from the actual reality of the vast majority of people in, in, in whatever racial subgroup. And I think it's particularly striking um, to see both Latino Americans and, and Asian Americans breaking Republican pretty dramatically in recent years, and I, I I can't help but think that this is all tied. It's all part of the same. It's a cause and effect that it is a reaction to that um, to that flattening in some way. I don't know if, if 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 you had any thoughts on on just I mean it's it's uh, it, the voting trends are undeniable. I mean right. there was a lot of talk in 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 the last uh, uh, general election of-
0: Demographics are uh, like, destiny, guys. Well, Never yeah, forget yeah, yeah. that. Obviously. That's all I heard yeah, when yeah. Barry got elected. Demographics are destiny. The, the Browns <laughs> right. and the Asians, they're going to love the Dems <laughs> until yeah. the cows come home. Obviously, the Negroids, they don't know any better. They're going to do it blindly. <laughs> but the Browns <laughs> and the Asians are going to support the Dems until the cows come yeah. home. Well, no, I think and, so. and,
2: yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go, no, go ahead, Jay.
0: Yeah, I
1: think some of it is, uh, I think some of it is reactionary to that type of thing. I think some of it is also that you have immigration patterns and you have people coming from different countries with different backgrounds that are going to make them more inclined to a certain type of politics. But like, you know, the the statement is always like, and this is a bit of left punching too, right? Where people say, oh, well, these people hate communism and, you know, like, oh, or nice. they hate socialism. And like, <laughs> That was true of certain populations a while ago, you know? So like you have sort of people who uh, are coming over, who fled the Chinese Communist Party in 1949, and they end up in Taiwan and they come to the United States on like uh, student visas or stuff like their, skill worker visas, right? Like maybe those people have feel a certain way about communism. You have Cuban populations in South Florida, obviously very famously, who obviously have a certain way about that. It's not a really huge popular part of these populations you know um and so uh there is part of that but i don't know recently i just think that there is there is a way in which people are starting to define themselves against um what the prevailing thought of their group of what their group should be right mm-hmm. and that that's a very energizing political force right when you say everybody like they are these elites and they're uh, of our own people. They're selling us out and they're lying about us. It's really powerful, you know, and you see it a lot like uh, and you see it, especially in the Asian American community, you see it around policing, right? Like you Mm. see like, oh, like, who are these like uh, woke Asians who are everywhere talking about how we don't need the police? You know, we're getting our heads kicked in everywhere. We need the police. It's a real it's a real rallying cry. And um, now would all those people have voted or would they have all voted Democrat otherwise? I don't know, you know, but what I do know is that like political movements, especially in small communities take a lot of energy. And I do think a lot of people are deriving their energy from that type of reactionary politics, because I think, uh, I don't know, it's gotta be frustrating in a lot of ways. Like I live here in the Bay Area, you know, and then we had this huge controversy around, um, like a selective school like Lowell which is like Stuyvesant right in mm-hmm. New York City and mm-hmm. um that school just like Stuyvesant is mostly asian people in a city that has a lot of working class chinese people in San Francisco you know and the way that these people are depicted is like oh they're all rich you know or like they're mm-hmm. all white adjacent and just like dude like just talk to these kids they're not like white adjacent you know they don't even talk to white people (laughs) (laughs) they just hang out with each other you know their parents don't speak a word of english and they work in a restaurant like i'm more
0: white adjacent (laughs) right right
1: if they called me white adjacent i'd be like listen you gotta you know like like, i'm I'm offended but i see where you're coming from you know but like these people they're calling white adjacent, like, you know, like they get mad about it, right? And mm. that um now that they there's like social, you know, social media, WeChat, whatever, they can organize very quickly around these types of things. And so mm. um when you try and take stuff away from these groups now, it used to be that they weren't political, so they would just accept it, you know? And now they don't. You know, and I think it's very powerful for people who are somewhere in the middle to be like, oh, nobody's looking out for us. At least this side is going to look out for me and my interests. All I really care about is getting my kid into college, you know? yep. And so like, why wouldn't I like deal with this? In New York, you saw it around Curtis Slewa, right? Like where he went to Asian neighborhoods and he said, no, don't build it. Don't build a homeless shelter in Sunset Park, right? Uh, And he said, more cops, I'm going to bring the guardian angels out to guard your neighborhoods. You know, that's like a very small amount of care from a very, very problematic individual. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked because that's all you really have to do. And as long as the Democrats are doing nothing except sort of trotting out these uh, sort of elite figures to lecture these people on how they're all problematic, then, you know, you're gonna keep seeing this slide to the right, I think At least Yo, that's so, my theory. yeah
0: so I you know one of the first joints of yours man that touched on this Jay was um you did a really dope I don't know if it was for the magazine or the website but it was about the Asian cop who shot the homie in the pink houses and you were explain like you did such a great job of explaining the sort of factions. And why people feel the way they feel and why they don't neatly line up with how we typically um, talk about race and even class in the city. And like, I, you know, what I took away from your joint was like, yo, um, they let the white cops kill people and it's right. fine. Why are we singling, singling out the Asian homie? Right? And it was like this weird, like... Asian cops should be able to kill the Negroes, too. Oh man, that, it yeah. was so crazy. Um, I, I just want to know, like, what it was like for you to cover that, just thinking about the different populations of New York City, sort of, and institutions just like converging on this one, like, thing, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I was living in the city at the time, and I went to one of the protests that they held. in Union Square. And I remember just being kind of stunned in some way, right? Because (laughs) it's rare to see Asian people out being with picket signs and yelling about something, especially back then. Now it's more common, right? Mm -hmm. But this was what, 2016 or something like that, right? Um, And the speed with which they had been organized and the stuff that they were saying Right. And they had sort of developed this. Like, I remember there was this woman, she was young, she's like 25 years old or something. And she was talking about Martin Luther King, you know, and like a justice, uh, you know, injustice anywhere is like, the back quote. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I was like, and the bumper the, sticker. Right. The argument was that, like, um, Peter Lang had been like unjustly had been unjustly accused because he was the only person in the history of the nypd or something like that right um which is true it's like there's a logic
0: to follow there though
1: right 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 and um it was i guess the thing that was surprising me is that they had been able to organize around such a fucked up idea (laughs) (laughs) just like i don't know you know i guess you kind of have a point here but like maybe this is not the point we want to make you know (laughs) right so Um, I don't know. And that was like, oh, well, they're, you know, like this is starting, right? Like there is like going to be this sort of political movement that is based on advocating for a specific type of right. And it's mostly going to be Chinese Americans, you know, like, um, and it's mostly going to be people in enclaves. Right. And it's mostly not going to be rich people, you know, Mm. and that, um, it's not going to be sort of your second-generation lawyer, doctor, financial class type of person, right? Like this is like truly a grassroots type of thing. Now, I know that people sort of roll their eyes when people say that about something that's not on the left, but this is true. I mean, my friend Ursula Liang made a great documentary about this movement, like the Peter Lang movement, and she documented the whole thing, like how it built. Like, you know, like these people are meeting in like restaurants in Sunset Park you know, like in Chinatown in Manhattan, like they're getting people together. They're building this type of movement. They're talking all the time. And they are like surprisingly articulate about some of the conflicts that are going on, you know, like why this is like kind of a fucked up thing. And uh yeah, I don't know. I found it endlessly interesting that this was happening, you know, and that It really did inform a lot of my thinking past it where i was just like oh the story here is not me you know the story Mm. here is not some professor at ucla the story is not like some tv Mm. writer who wants to hire like his three friends who are asian to make their own asian show you know like that's the mainstream coverage asian america and uh yeah i don't know i wanted to get more into it i mean i had written about immigrant neighborhoods a lot in the past and so I felt somewhat equipped to do it but um, I don't know and there are other reporters who do that but uh, you know um, you know those types of stories are sometimes hard to tell and they're um, generally drowned out by like sort of everything else.
3: So here's the deal. Usually when I do these ad reads, um, I've never really tried the product until they became sponsors. And then they give samples and I try them and then I endorse them. Uh, I'm not trying to make it seem like it's fake. It's real. I've tried them and I like them. But it's not like I've ever used these things before they became sponsors. Today's a little different. Credit Karma. I'm telling you right now, I've used Credit Karma to fix my credit to figure out what the problematic things on my credit report was, to pay those things off, uh, to get a loan in order to pay off some of those things, to apply for credit cards, to get credit cards I'll qualify for, to take care of them the right way, and then to make sure I level up. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. I've done this, ladies and gentlemen, and it absolutely works. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free, and best of all, it won't affect your credit scores and can save you money. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. I am talking to you as someone who has fixed his credit using Credit Karma Before they ever paid me to do this stuff right now. That's right. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. I want to
0: talk to you about the book. and Because I feel like this wasn't always the case. But... (laughs) you've become a polarizing figure amongst (laughs) certain blue check elite academia asian people for lack of a better word um i want to get into that at some point because i think it's very interesting and fascinating but i do want to talk about like the book specifically you know because some of the stuff that you're getting at is You know stuff that i sort of experienced in real time right like really like becoming very close to somebody who's filipino-american and realizing like yo like they just like it here in los angeles and being like this really don't got a lot to do with the chinese people i knew in queens right there's not a it's really it's not there i'm not seeing it you know (laughs) like now that i'm on the
1: they're both AAPI.
0: Apparently. Yeah, apparently. Like you like, say oh. that
1: on the fourth day of AAPI Heritage Month. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like half the world's population or some shit.
2: Or more.
0: <laughs> Probably more. Right, right.
2: Uh, Dude, yeah. so,
0: so I'm making these connections in my head subconsciously, and you basically write a fucking book about it. Right. You know, right, um, right. just bu- about how flimsy. The concept of uh, Asian American identity is, you know, was this this start out as something you just wanted to write as an article or a piece? And then it was just like, fuck it, I can get this bread for this book or well, like, how did you end <laughs> up writing the book, bro?
1: Well, I, I mean, I had written this piece many years ago about this fraternity hazing, you know, and it was about these five kids from Queens and they were part of an Asian American fraternity at Baruch, right? Mm. Um, Chelsea they, uh, they, uh, you know, these are kids who grew up around all Asian kids, right? Like these aren't kids who grew up only around white kids, but they get to Baruch and they join this fraternity. This fraternity has this hazing ritual, all these hazing rituals. And there's stuff like, you know, the Death March of Bataan or it's like the death of Vincent Chin or like uh, the rape of Nan King. All this shit that's not just like (laughs) Asian American history. It's like Asian history, period. Right. So they're building this broad identity through these rituals of like trauma. And, you know, like we're like oppressed people. Right. And like um. I the thought Name so...
2: King was Asian on Asian
1: crime, dude. That have been a good. But like, you know, like they had like shit for um, Japanese internment and stuff like that, right? And mm. like, so like I was like, so why are these kids building this history to try and bind one of themselves together? And why are they doing it in college? And why are they doing it in this violent way? Because you know, the story was they ended up killing a kid, right? Another kid mm. from Queens. Um and I don't know, like I felt like very conflicted about it because on the one hand, you're just like, you guys just killed somebody in a stupid fucking fraternity hazing ritual. And then on the other side, I felt like, well, why are these kids doing this? You know, like what is this identity they're trying to create? And why is it so expressed so lamely? You know what I mean? Like, why is it so... Why is it so like lame, you know, like uh, why can't they do better? And it's just because I think, you know, that's when I was just like, well, I don't know, like type identity doesn't exist. You know, like they're building something out of nothing. It's like these Chinese kids who grew up in Queens and the parents were all working class more or less, except the one kid who died who was a little bit richer. But most of the other kids are working class like they do have connections with each other. You know, I mean, you know, like, I mean, was you know, you grew up in Queens, you know, Chinese kids in Queens, like, you know, that's a whole thing, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, whole culture,
0: yeah, yeah 100, 100 percent. And right. it's not like flushing, that's not like a stereotype for Asian-ness. No, there's a bunch of Koreans and Chinese people, in right? Flushing. right, right. Like, right up. like, whole neighborhoods where it's only them, and that's where they hang out, that's where they drink, right? They right. Eat, they they party. Fucking... That's where they're at. You know, um, but at the right. same time, like I said, in places like Great Neck and Little Neck and other places out in Queens that are rich. And like, you know, some of these chicks would come to high school with Chanel bags and all of that. Shit, right. And they drove BMWs and Audis and all of that. Like that was also a thing. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Like right. Um, with some of the some of my Korean American uh, uh, homies, because I was in a homeroom. My last name starts with an L. So as you would imagine, it was all Lees, Lao's, Ling. <laughs> it was. I swear to God. And so, like, I was like, every single day of high school, you go to a homeroom. I was cool with a bunch of these kids, yeah, you know. Man, what and, and your homeroom transfers for four years,
1: right? You right, feel right, me? So, right. like,
0: that's why, like, it's something that I think about when, like, I am meeting and again, because, like, in LA now where I live, of course, there's a lot of Filipino. And there was a lot of Filipino people right. in. <laughs> And just to be just to be honest, right, Jay, so like the Filipino kids in my high school were on the step squad, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there was Filipino kids on the step squad, like that hooped in the back of the school with us after high school, whatever. So I had this idea that Filipinos, like they knew how to dance and shit. I had this idea that like Filipinos were like vaguely kind of black, right? And then then I moved to LA, and I was like, "No, yeah, for sure." (laughs) It was confirmed for me. You know what I'm saying? Like they were just their their culture was just so different from again from a lot of the Korean homies that I knew, Chinese homies that I knew. Um, which this is this is why a lot of your work is like it's like so enlightening for me because it's like, man, like this guy's actually articulating not just the cultural differences between these different groups like somebody from Thailand or somebody from you know Laos or something like that but like financially like rich Asians and poor and working-class Asians have fundamentally different ideas about what they want and what they need right and the
1: Title of Asian American, like they try and make it as capacious as possible. And they say it includes South Asians and it includes Pacific. Throwing water. Indians
0: in there is how no y'all do. I know, y'all doing I know. Well, that's what business. I always thought.
1: All right. So in ninth grade, I went to camp, right? And um there's an Indian kid from Ohio. His name is Kamal. And the Kamal and I were like got along really well. And at some point, like we're like, there's some sort of beef with some kids who are living in the dorm with us at this camp. And he was like, we got to protect each other because we're both Asian. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just friends. Yeah. No, I was like, you're Asian? I was <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What? Like, no. I was in ninth grade. Oh, so like, my goodness but i was oh, like the guy who... who's guys saying he's Asian, like you're indian dude you know and so like <laughs> I don't know. but like um and we have both grown i mean he grew up in Centerville, ohio i grew up in like chapel Hill, north carolina it's not like we we're in like some big you know place from Metropolis, Green, like, where like Asianness was being theorized to us all the time you know mm. it's just kind of like um but like uh so like when people say Asian American what they really mean is Chinese Japanese Korean people they mean yep,
0: Asians, facts. you
1: know and um they are not like when they talk about Asian representation they're not talking about fucking Bruno Mars and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know and and Anderson or a Pop. guy from
2: Siberia you know? right. Right, no, never. Maybe Igor, <laughs> right. you know, right. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs>
1: they're not worried about like uh, Hassan Minaj or something like that, mm. right? Like they're talking about East Asian people who um are generally pretty second generation and wealthy, and like that sucks, you know. And like so, mm. I don't know, like AAPI thing because it's AAPI Heritage Month. Uh, this is why, and to answer your question, this is why people are mad at sometimes get mad at me because yeah well I mean, let's, let's talk
0: it. about the beef i want to yeah, talk about the i've beef, just never I-
1: met a P- pacific islander person at any aapi event or anything like that <laughs> unless they're there as like this total token and i can tell and sometimes i talk to them and i know that they're pissed off about it you know because they're just yeah. like oh they just dragged me the fuck out here to to like be the pi you know and it's just like what are we doing you know like why do we feel why do we feel the need to lie about this stuff all the time um and why can't we have a more capacious type of actual definition if that's what we want you know like Mm -hmm. why can't we uh why do we have to basically always just be like oh you know what asian americans are democrats or liberals they like are all about solidarity you know like they they
0: They're intersectional, Jay. They want to
1: fight against white supremacy and all this shit. (laughs) I don't know many Asian people who feel that way, except the people I know in the media, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, you know, outside of it, like, no, you know, so um, I don't know. I think it's all very broken. So I wanted to write the book because I was honestly tired of writing about Asian people. And I was like, all right, if I put it all in a book. Yeah, yeah, I'll, be so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be done no with it i'll be done no one will read it you know
2: because like and then and then you know like i'll just i'll get it out of my
1: system and right fine. i'll point at the book you know yeah. like, you can write about this thing that happened to asian people I'm like listen there's a book over there you yeah, know yeah. um but you know it hasn't really worked that way what's yeah.
0: what's some of the more annoying uh receptions that you've gotten from the book because you know, the funny thing is like, I forget, somebody had retweeted some lady who I think was a professor at some right. fucking nice school, um, was, had a beef with your book. She obviously hadn't even read it, but it wasn't you that retweeted it. They was just like, all right, somebody, the person, the, the quote tweet was like another person who hasn't read Kang's fucking book, bitching right. about it. What, like, what, what is it? What are they, what are they bitching about specifically?
1: Well, you know, it's a bit I com- will get into it, but it's it's a little complicated. But I will say that, like, you know, like Asian American Studies departments are small, you know, and they um, there's not many of them around the country. And so and they're all established, you know, post Third World Liberation Front, Berkeley, Cal, sort of fight for ethnic studies. Right. And a lot of the people who are part of that fight become the professors who who do it and that. The mantra within those departments, and I think this is also true of Chicano studies, it's true of almost all ethnic studies, right? Which is that you valorize this moment of 1969 and the Third World Liberation Front, which for listeners who don't know, is like a collective of students that fought to have ethnic studies put in at San Francisco State and Cal Berkeley, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's like I can walk there in 15 minutes right down the street from me right now. And, um, you know, like these are people who felt... Exclude you know, it's it's similar to like Combahee River Collective, all these sort of places where people felt yeah. excluded from the politics of the anti-war movement, because the anti-war movement was all white dudes, right? They felt mm-hmm. excluded from the feminist movement at the time because a lot of white women. They felt they didn't they some of them tried to join the Panthers and the Panthers were like, You guys should start your own thing, right? Um no. and uh and so there is this attempt to try and organize everyone who wasn't already organized, right? Like Chicano movement was pretty big at the time and so this is where like the idea of asian american comes from mm. the term comes from right mm-hmm. um and in that way that's a great fucking thought you know like i think that's a beautiful thought and to sort of say like we are third worldists we are people who come from colonized places you know mm. we're fighting against american capitalism and, and imperialism and we stand in solidarity with the other groups that are here, right? That's like the other third world groups like the Black Student Union, Chicano movement, whatever. This is like the moment of solidarity, right? It's like college kids on a college campus in 1969 to 1972, it's like three years, right? And yet this is the animating spirit behind a lot of (laughs) Asian American studies, right? How do we sort of... how do we go back to that third world movement, right? Like, how do we make kids radicalized again so that they stand in solidarity against white supremacy? Um, The capitalism part has been scrubbed, always, yeah, always, always. Eliminated. Eliminated. every
0: fucking time. But yeah. <laughs> and of
1: course, the reason for that is because these people are teaching. They've like, been subsumed
0: work, by like, it. Duh. They're
1: gonna start. They're teaching kids are gonna be like private equity managers, hedge fund managers, and they're just like, yeah, we got to lose
0: capitalism. (laughs) So now it's just like
1: sort of a bland anti-racism type of thing. Right. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like to make that work, right? Like you need to present the people as always being desperate for that type of solidarity, right? Like that that people want to enter into that type of space. And that, in fact, the key to all of this is a type of like, activism that's happening that they say is happening all over the place right and um that they think that i ignore because i basically am trying to say you know a lot of asians are pretty po- problematic right um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of problematic asians you know yeah. like the number um, of asians who are like i want to i'm a very educated person and i want to like uh dedicate my life to a type of um third worldist activism very small I don't know any yeah, foreign Asian American studies professors you know um and uh you know the the number of people the other thing that happens is there's like this massive demographic shift where like 95 percent of the Asian people in America or so came post 1965 right this thing is happening in 1969 my parents come in 1979 a lot of Asian people come in the 70s right people don't know anything about third world liberation front you know like they don't know anything about anti-capitalism most of them moved to the united states to be capitalists, you know yeah. Yeah. and then, so like this idea that there's some connection between my family for example who i don't think has ever once thought of themselves as asian american or even korean american they're just like we're korean you know Um, and these people who you know, and the people who are in the Third World Liberation Front, they their families had been here since like the fucking gold rush, right? Or they're Japanese people who had been interned. Like the dude who came up with the term Asian American spent the early years of his life in a fucking internment camp. Of course, those people understand white supremacy, you know, like of course they understand what America can do, you know. There's a huge gap between those people. And people like me or people who are of my generation, most of the Asian Americans in America. And so if you point that out and you say like, maybe this model doesn't work anymore, then they get very mad at you, you know, because they say, <laughs> well, you're ignoring all the activism that's happening. So the example that they'll give is they'll say like, um, oh, did you know in Oakland that there's like radical solidarity between black and, and, and Asian people to combat anti-Asian hate crimes? And now it's like, you're talking about, like, 40 people, man. Yeah, you know? doesn't exist. Like, yeah. like Ridiculous. when I go around talking to, like, which I do, you know, talking to, like, Chinese-American populations in Oakland, they're either scared or they're mad. Some of them are, you know, mad at Black people specifically, right? Oh, oh yeah, um, of course. And, like, and then you talk to, like, Black people – in the same areas like you know like it's not like these two are like standing in rat these two groups are standing in radical solidarity with each other in the model the third world liberation front like what are you talking about you know like you're living in a dream world and so you can't say this stuff you know because like mm. the 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 hegemony of thought within that one group is so strong and the problem is that because there's so few asian people talking about anything these days that when it comes to like commentary Right. Places will just reach out to the same 12 people who are yeah, at right. very good institutions of higher learning, you know, exclusive colleges, and they all feel this way. And so then you have like what is like a conflagration that is not really a conflagration, you know, mm. you have like 12 people who are very mad at me, but they're also the 12 people who get to speak, you know, mm. and they're mad. Like a lot of their anger is that I, I like that. I get to say stuff too, you know um
0: you get so to say it, it in the new york times baby right <laughs> <And so laughs> that's what they really mad. mad about
1: but yeah. like i just um i don't know it made me very you know I won't, I won't lie and i you know i think people probably tell it made me really mad you know because mm-hmm. i felt like uh i i don't have any problem with these people i don't have any beef with them i think third world liberation is a beautiful thought you know like how fucking great would this world be if people really were able to do that you know but um I don't know. I think that they feel very territorial about a lot of stuff. And um, this is I I think that because
2: the politics organized around um, a a racial identity or a cultural identity or an ethnic identity, um, whatever Um, it has. I mean, this is it's relatively kind of um, it's a relatively new thing. Like you said, it kind of started in the in 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 the late 60s has been. Quite successful in um, furthering the interests of elites within those racial categories. Right. Like you said, you, you talked about, I mean, the, the Oscar So White movement, for lack of a better term, was incredibly effective at yeah, like putting a ton of pressure on Hollywood studios and things like that and the academy to cast more diverse. Like now, you can't do, a, like, you literally cannot do a movie without um, like a diversity bullshit right. right. to it. It's like basically impossible. Like people are criticizing the Northmen for saying it like it's fucking like a Nazi shit for doing, you know, an all white Viking movie. Um, and so <laughs> it, 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 it has been very effective at, um, at, at furthering the interests of those elites within that class, because those are the people that get hired to do those things. Right. Um, but it is at the same time fundamentally posed. To or, or, or it creates an even they, they might say it rhetorically, but it, it doesn't create the political coalitions necessary to um, really fight for and implement any sort of real redistributive policies, which is which which I mean, I think the facts bear it out because um, there has been none in the last right. uh, essentially 40 years. Um, And and in fact, it's been in the exact opposite direction uh, because the only the only politics that can build coalitions across racial uh, and cultural and ethnic differences is a politics around a shared material interest. And that's been proven time and time again um, around the world that that a, a politics around that that kind of binds people along like. Yo, if we stick together, like all our shit's going to be better, you know? But if a politics that sort of highlights your cultural differences, even if you kind of uh, even if you kind of espouse these rhetorical uh, aims towards solidarity, what, what ends up happening when the rubber hits the road is like, no, m- my shit is more important than your right, shit. Right. You know, the the whatever thing that happened 50 years ago was worse than the thing that happened to you 150 years ago. Right. Like it was worse. Count the bodies or whatever. You know, like they're get you know, it gets into that kind of thing, um, and it devolves into these kind of insane internecine fights um, that that that. Are fundamentally blocking any form of um real class solidarity. And I think that that the I think the facts on the ground uh prove that overwhelmingly.
0: But Jay, I want to ask you something because like the reason again, the reason why I love your work is because it's it's part of the project that we're trying to do on this podcast as well, where like, you know, I just hate the black elite. It's just all I do on here is this <laughs> bitch about the black elite. And it's like this idea that Van Jones and Joy Ann Reed. Can speak to the problems of people in Watts and Brownsville. That don't make no fucking sense to me. Like these people, like fucking Van Jones literally got two hundred million dollars from Jeff Bezos. Like the idea that that dude two hundred million dollars, yeah, two hundred mil, two hundred mil, 200 mil. It was like a, a It was like fuck. He got a grant for being like for a civility or something. Something right. ridiculous. He got something. Speaking of like,
2: speaking of third world liberation. uh, solidarity van jones former maoist
0: wow really
1: wow
2: oh, yeah. when he was in Man, college these guys they... all have
1: wild ass that's death. crazy now when van college. jones David Brooks is probably like suits for Democratic society and like you know yeah um, yeah 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 yeah. You know, there's, all S- these-
2: there's that famous picture of David Brooks going on PBS and it says David Brooks, social democrat. But fucking, Obama
0: Harris's dad is like a freaking you know right. a Marxist scholar. <laughs> like, right, right. deep rooted. Jones- dad too,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, but Van Jones, it, no, no one remembers this, but like the first the first sign that Obama was like a fucking sniveling little fuck is that he he hired like he he assigned he. hired van jones like early like first first weeks of his administration to do something. i forgot what it was like some post in his administration not like a cabinet seat or anything like that like a very minor post and some like right-wing groups found van jones's old maoist shit from fucking college
1: (laughs) and obama immediately fired him like (laughs) (laughs) he was a maoist and that was like during a time when it wasn't like look i live in berkeley california and every everybody's a maoist every 15 year old (laughs) i (laughs) meet and every 78-year-old I meet is like, oh, I'm a Maoist. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, word. <laughs> yeah. But like everyone in the middle isn't, you know, but the old yeah, yeah. people and the young people, they're all, yeah. you know, but like, I yeah. mean it. I
0: mean, but no, what? but the, what, what I was trying to say was that, like, what, what you get sold from black people and black elites is like, Barry's going to become president, um, <laughs> you know sydney poitier is gonna go on that on the tonight show and be really articulate or whatever michael jordan's gonna be a role model yada 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 what will follow is that cops won't bust your head that person will follow you through the store you'll get a fair shake at a job interview blah 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 it's this redemption narrative right like we get enough great prominent blacks and blacks look good enough enough time to the whites will be redeemed in the eyes of the whites and we will achieve full humanity in their eyes and we'll become citizens of America finally. That's what's promised to us by the black elite, by supporting black elite initiatives, right? Like like the respectability and the reverence is going to trickle down from their great success. What the fuck is Asian success promising to Asians?
1: (laughs) (laughs) A comfortable life, you know? I mean... I don't I I don't really know what the representation stuff is promising. You know, I think it's basically promising access into a type of POC multicultural elite. Right. And that's what I think a lot of Asian second generation upwardly mobile people want. You know, like uh, I don't know, like I had this thought and I was like, well. Asian people who are upwardly mobile and sort of, you know, like on the progressive side of things right like they don't really care what white people think about them you know like i don't i think maybe when they're kids they do but you know you go to college and you stop worrying about that but they really care what black people think about them right even if they they don't really know many black people you know that's
0: interesting
1: (laughs) um and that's why like because they want to be accepted into this kind of like panel type of work, like, you know, like a universal panel where like there's one person of each race and they all sort mm, of talk about mm-hmm. white supremacy. The right? rainbow. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They want to be part of this type of elite that accepts them both not as a white person, because I don't think they want to be a white person. Right. Which I, you know, it's commendable, but like they want to <laughs> be part of like something where everybody in their group gets along and they mm. complain about the white person. Right. Like that's what they want. Um, okay. Okay. And like, I think that that's sort of what they're after. And like, that's why there's like such, I don't know, like I this is an example I bring up a lot, but it's like, you know, like uh, when it turned out that one of the cops that was there with George Floyd was Hmong, right? You saw this yeah. like flurry of Asian people in the media disavowing this dude, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, what are we disavowing, you know? <laughs> Like, he's like, a fucking why, cop yeah why did you feel the need to do this this dude is Hmong. like you're like a third generation chinese american dude who went to saint anne's in harvard you know like why are you like what connection do you think you actually have to this dude you know like he's this dude, he lived a life and is from a culture that you have no idea what it is but you feel some need to disavow him you know like why are you doing this and so Um, you know, like a lot of stuff around those protests, like ended up sort of, you know, like giving this away It was just like, you have all these, uh, there was a moment when like a lot of Asian kids at Ivy league schools wrote home to their parents about like anti-blackness in their communities. And they made it very public that this was like Ivy league, Asian kids are talking about anti-blackness in their communities. Like, what are you doing? You know, right? Like, why'd you do that? You know? (laughs) And what they're doing is, you know, I look, I'm not bashing on any kid in college for doing something earnest, you know, but I am just trying to analyze why somebody would do this and like what the impulse is. And this isn't their fault. This is what they're taught by, like their professors or whoever. Mm -hmm. And it's to say we are not them, you know, Mm. these like unwashed, ignorant, racist Asians who follow Mm. you was around the store, you know. Mm. We're not them, you know, like we're something else. We are educated, we're doctors, we're woke, you know, and we can enter into this coalition, even if this cop was Asian, right? And that's why they have to disavow the cop, you know, that's why they have to disavow like the sort of problematic dirty Asians, you know, like, uh, and that, um, I don't know like i i find that project to be like totally bankrupt in a way not that one should condemn two tasks racism while george floyd is dying you know of course you 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 condemn him you know but the idea that you need to do this extra step to say i'm not him i'm not him it's cool guys you know like you let me into the panel it's cool you know that sort of portrays a type of class solidarity amongst the upper middle class Yep, and then that's what that's about, you know. And like, I don't know. Like, um, it's tough to point out sometimes because, like, uh, you know, like I can say these things to like other Asian people, or I can say it, you know. But sometimes it's like you say it around the wrong type of white people, and you're just like giving them a lot of ammunition to say, like, oh, well, you know, all Asians should shut up, you know. (laughs) No, or that you're feeding right. into like a right wing. Um, right.
0: Well, you know, really, the Asians context. they want to they want to hang the niggers just as bad as we do. That's <laughs> yes. that's what they're gonna go with. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're gonna go yeah. with for
2: sure. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. Or like you know, like anybody who's mad about some racist thing that happens, those are just the woke elite. You know. Like, yeah. I mean, like exactly. you don't want to do that either. So it's tough. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I've like contributed to some bad shit, but you know. Um, but what are you gonna do about it i don't know like you gotta i at think least in the like long run
2: i think but... in the long run the truth will win out you know um right. but yeah it's just uh and you know i i don't know i think like um i do get the sense that there is that there is that there has been kind of a brewing backlash forever and i mean obviously a lot of it was driven by um by the right but um Or at least it fed a lot of people into the. I mean, I think it did drive a lot of people to the right, um, if that makes sense. But it was also driven by the right. But um, I get the sense that the backlash is 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 more is more widespread than it than it was a few years ago. The problem is that there hasn't been a coherent political project to uh, replace it, um, especially in the era of kind of this. Democratic Party stagnation when they're in power, but they don't do anything, um, yeah. and, and because that that really paralyzes. You know, there was some merit to the argument um, from like the left that a Republican in 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 the White House kind of does give them more organizing um, fuel, whereas mm-hmm. a Democrat in the White House kind of takes the wind out of your sails. You know, and and. Um,
0: So accurate. It takes the wind out of my sails. That's, that's, yeah. It's like, what are we going
2: to do? You know, like, I mean, you know, we don't like Brandon, but we're we're not going to fucking vote Republican either, you know? So what do we do? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, Jay, man, really appreciate your time today. I want to get you out of here, but I want to ask you are you watching the NBA playoffs? Oh, yeah. Are you, are you gambling at all anymore? I know you've, no, I'm done. I'm done. asked about gambling are you off of that narcotic
1: I'm done I can't bet I I don't bet on sports or anything anymore um and uh yeah I've been watching the playoffs but you know it's like uh I don't know it's I feel like am I crazy like I just like I don't like watching John Morant play (laughs) <laughs> that's terrible i know i feel like such like a wet blanket contrarian.
0: no i, I don't but i don't
1: think the don't dude think just I... goes left at the end of the game every <laughs> yeah. single time and it's just no. like remember like you remember this two years ago it was where like rudy gobert was like eating him up every time rudy was in the game like Jock couldn't do anything maybe this right. was last year and then now he's doing the same thing. At the end of the game, he just goes, like, right to the basket and runs into four dudes and then tries to put it up with his left hand. And I was like, dude, can you shoot a 15-footer, you know? I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> I I feel like one of these hooper dudes who's like uh, no, Rose no, Rosen no, no. is mid-range game on point.
0: I love that take. Did you get any joy from – unc knocking coach oh k out God, not yeah. once but twice what yeah, was, that was that like for that was you Was
1: like one of the highlights of my life I, <laughs> crying. I was so happy i felt you know like i i don't why you know this right like when you cover sports and you have to watch a lot of games which i had to do when i was working you know for brantland um which i'm sure with the ringer you do too yeah. And then you, I never had to talk about it because we, you know, we didn't have, we had Bill had his podcast, but it wasn't like we're a podcast network. But, um, you know, you have to write about it. Um, it kind of makes it like you don't. Care as much who wins or loses. No,
0: no, it's is it, it, a lot. I care about my own vanity, so right, I right. said You're the like, Memphis the Grizzlies page? are gonna lose, <laughs> so therefore I want oh, yeah, to watch to the Timberwolves, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked the Timberwolves. Picked, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been going against them all season. So i at this point. I'm just rooting against their fans, rooting for my own vanity. I'm not gonna lose any sleep. Uh, no, know, lose I of You know. I remember when the fucking Warriors, when when, so. when fucking uh what's his name uh carlos beltran left his fucking bat on his on his hip uh in the fucking lcs against the cardinals and we didn't go to the world series and like i remember like losing sleep over that back in 06 or whenever it was but like i don't care anymore like i don't think about this shit like i'm not gonna skip breakfast tomorrow if memphis wins there's nothing
2: more undignified than like a Someone, I mean, maybe like over thirty, who like gets
1: really upset about their team losing. Like, yeah, really, yeah. I know. Like, they're really embarrassing week. about it. But the, yeah, yeah. i
2: like, dude. The yeah. Carolina
1: Duke games were the first time I was like super emotionally invested in it um, in a long time. So that was cool. <laughs> I said, um, this, I'll go after this, but um, I think it's a funny story. I had a friend who like worked in the fight game, you know, and so mm-hmm. I went to this uh, fight work. Miguel Cotto was fighting Madison Square Garden, and he was like, Oh, I got you a good seat, you know? And so I was wearing like basically a sweatshirt and jeans, and like was based like un- 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 unpresentable in public. And I bought this giant thing of nachos, and I was walking down trying to <laughs> find my seat, and I was like directly ringside, and there's one seat left, and I was sitting <laughs> next to Carlos Beltran and his wife.
0: Oh <laughs> my God. So-
1: <laughs> so well-dressed, you know, and on the other side is Oscar yeah. de la Hoya, and is they the, were <laughs> They were so confused. You know? Like, like who who is, is this dumb-looking guy? fucking Asian dude?
0: Is he a, is he a, is a delivery guy? Carlos Beltran coming to cheer no, no, on his was, country. Like, his,
1: his wife gave me the dirtiest look, and it was like, are like, like, you supposed to be like, like, yo, listen, my friend. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she,
2: she assumed you were one of the guys, you know, selling beers, like. Oven. Right. Like, right. Well, it's it's like, no,
1: actually, yeah. I'm not a delivery guy. Actually, my friend yeah. is. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> that oh, is. I'm a girl. do you know where I work? No, I've that is that. perfect, be Miss Beltran. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, that's my Carlos. Beltran.
0: Perfect. I love that. Um, make sure you guys uh subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you become a Patreon at Patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. Uh, Thank you again, Jay, for coming on. Tell the people where they can find your work. The Loneliest American. Did you make New York Times bestseller? No. They didn't put the thumb on the the fucking scale for one of their own? That's ridiculous. (laughs) They don't do that. (laughs) Nah, I'm just kidding. No,
1: but... um no the book did well and I was happy with it but it's hard to get on the bestseller list um but uh yeah I do a twice a week newsletter for the times you can find it if you just type my name in and newsletter or something like that I'm sure it'll pop up but um yeah thanks guys
0: perfecto thank you for doing this Jay we'll see you guys next week peace